It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The 2023 NFL Draft is behind us. Let's talk about some of the decisions the Bengals made in this draft that have some fans scratching their heads and give our overall thoughts because there's some very clear themes of this draft class. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network here on Locked On Bengals, and you can subscribe to this podcast to get coverage on your team every day on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcast that will make it easier for you to be an everydayer and to make us your first listen of the day. And for everyone who already does those things, we really appreciate all of you and James, the 2023 NFL draft is complete. We've done our extra podcast. We've done our extra streams, our extra radio hits, whatever it is, all the extra articles, all the extra interviews all the time at Paul Brown stadium. Sorry, Paycor stadium. And it's done. So we can take a look back at things. We know what the free agency class looks like at this point. We know what the roster is going to more or less look like at this point for 2023. And a lot of those big themes are are pretty obvious. And they become much more obvious in hindsight, Mm -hmm. of course. Things like depth, athleticism, making sure that they've got guys for upcoming expiring contracts on the defensive side of the ball, Finally, after two years of us talking about it, adding guys to be in the mix for wide receiver four to add a little bit of juice there, adding running back depth and explosion to that position, all things they've talked about. There are also some things that I think are are topics that we can discuss that fans are disappointed in, at least some fans are disappointed in, such as not finding additional talent for the offensive line in this draft class, such as missing on tight end in a really strong tight end draft class and and going three straight defensive picks and all these things. So a lot of topics that we can discuss here, James, from Mm. themes of the class to common criticisms I've seen among fans and things that they liked, because there's a lot to like about this class too. Let's start with the criticisms that you're seeing on social media. What's, what's the main one. So we we can just start with the negative and go from there and, and kind of address it and provide context. So what's the biggest criticism you think you've seen since the Bengals finished their draft? I think there's two big ones, yeah. and one of them has to do with passing on Michael Mayer. Okay. And and I think there's some Cincinnati bias there, of course, but not getting a tight end in a strong tight end class is one. And yep. and the other one is is not getting an offensive lineman. I think a lot of people really wanted them to find an offensive tackle, and Dewan Jones, maybe, do they want them to be more aggressive in the first round? Both of those are possibilities. Uh, okay. So, so I think those are, those are two of them. They feel like, you know, these draft picks are, are great, that there's value in everything, but they're for the future. They didn't okay. address the needs right now, you know, that sort of thing. Let's, all right, so let's start. We can address both. And tackle-wise, 
it is interesting, but I, I think that our everydayers know how we kind of felt about the Bengals approach going into this class where in round one, the guys that they would take with the 28th pick would likely be gone. And after that, who knows? Dewan Jones is really easy to point out and we can get more into that in a second, but let, let's talk about the tight end spot because everyone mocked a tight end. Mm-hmm. We had mocks, but that didn't have an offensive lineman that happened. That seemed more realistic to me than them not taking a tight end. I think they were in on tight end. I don't think this is as, as simple as, oh, well, the Bengals just don't value tight end, and they just can do these one-year deals and all of those things. No, I think they value tight end and were open to tight end. They weren't going to reach at tight end. And in the right world or in certain worlds, would they have taken Dalton Kincaid at 28? Absolutely. 100%. They didn't like Michael Mayer as much as the the Cincinnati, and I don't even want to say consensus, Cincinnati consensus, because the entire NFL passed on him in round one. So we can't say, you know, that, that they completely whiffed on that because every team in the first round whiffed on that and said, ah, we're, we're good. And the Raiders ultimately took him and, and good for Michael Mayer. We'll see if that works out. But there were tight ends the Bengals were willing to take at 28. And, and well, one, certainly, in Kincaid. And I, I don't know if they would have taken him over Miles Murphy, to be clear. But I think there are worlds, much like the Jameer Gibbs stuff, where they take Dalton Kincaid at 28. And there's a world where they take a tight end at 60, and it just it did not fall. It did not work in, in their favor. And I, I think they reset themselves after the first two days, where the Luke Musgrave, Sam Laporta is not necessarily in that order, and we could go on and on about some of these other tight ends that were available in, in round one that didn't fall to them in round two that they would have been willing to take in round two. And then by the time they got to round three, of course, Darnell Washington, Darnell Washington, Darnell Washington. One, he had the, the medical red flag for the majority of teams in the NFL, maybe all teams in the NFL. The other part of it was they didn't view him as a fit. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he's big, strong. He, he can block well. They throw the ball all over. They don't need an extra offensive lineman at tight end. They want a guy that can be a dynamic pass catcher. And I think some just assumed, based on his 40 or his athletic testing, that he would come in and and be able to develop that part of his game. And I don't think that Bengals viewed him as a fit in their offense. So then let's fast forward. Uh, Well, day three, we talked about some tight ends that they could add going into day three. I think they got to a certain point where I was like, well, these guys aren't going to really do much for us. And they line up with kind of what's out there in free agency where they could still re-sign maybe a familiar face like Mitch Wilcox or go out there and get one of those type of, of players to fill out the roster if they wanted to. And it's like, well, I'd rather have Chase Brown. I'd rather have Charlie Jones. And, and then you, you just keep going down the line. So I, I think that that's kind of what happened is it just didn't, it didn't fit early. And then by the time – and we talked about this scenario where if you don't get one in the first couple rounds, just wait – well, they didn't get one in the first couple of rounds. They waited, and then they looked up, and it was like, is this better than what we could get potentially in free agency if we need another guy? And, and that's how it turned out to you know, skip on tight end for the second straight year, even though I think they were open and willing to take a tight end if it lined up. That and how often do we hear fans say, you know, don't reach? Nobody likes to reach. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes it. People saw the Drew Sample pick for example, as a reach, <laughs> right? They needed a tight end. They picked Drew Sample in the it second round. Reaching. They didn't pick Drew Sample in the second round this year. 
And, and look at, I mean, it wasn't Schoonmaker went right before their pick. Yeah, looks good in the second round. Yeah, pick that's a reach. Awful second pick. round. Sorry, Dallas. Awful pick. And and Brenton Strange went one pick, one pick later. Awful. Are you are you picking either of those guys in the second round? They they have a much higher grade, presumably on DJ Turner. I think they got a lot of guys that that were truly oh, you're right. callers for them, like DJ Turner. And not presumably, you're right. I I. 100% in that, yeah. that DJ Turner's ahead of those guys on their board. DJ Turner and Jordan Battle, I think they got maybe a round later than they were comfortable drafting them, or maybe a half round later for DJ Turner, for, for whatever it is. I do think there was a world where they would have picked an offensive tackle in the first round, James, but they were all gone. They were so gone. I guess then the criticism is be more aggressive. Trade up and go get them. Make, make the pick swap with Dallas. To, to go get a tackle. I don't know. The Bengals don't love trading up. It's not a big part of their DNA. Generally, the, con- well, let me the, ask the, the conventional wisdom, I'm just real quick. The conventional wisdom is if you trade up for anything but a quarterback, you're giving up value. Mm-hmm. Sometimes sure. it works, sometimes it doesn't, but th- that's the general rule of thumb. Would you trade Miles Murphy and Chase Brown for Anton Harrison? Because that's what you're looking at, right? And that's, I don't, I don't think I would. I might. I don't I, know. It's close. I, I like Harrison as a prospect. I think that he sure. is going to be a long-term tackle in the NFL. He's another young guy. I like Miles Murphy as a prospect too, but there are some holes in the profile that we 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 talked about that he needs to come along and develop. And there's good reason to think that he will develop. And then Chase Brown. I mean, fifth round running back. I don't know. But then where then where do you get your running back? Yeah, and I, I know mm-hmm. th- that got lost in the shuffle too because they didn't reach. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they wanted to take a running back earlier than the fifth round. I believe that. Like in a perfect world, they would have found someone that you know, whether it's Roshan in round four, mm-hmm. whether it's Zach Charbonnet maybe in round two, whether it's Jameer Gibbs in round one. Obviously Bijan, but no one expected Bijan to be there. Like there were worlds where in each round they could have taken a running back, and it just it didn't line up. And I, I think that's the same for tight end early. Mm-hmm. And then after that, they just kind of viewed a lot of these guys like, eh, but we'll, we have that or we can find that. And they were probably thinking about Josh Riley in the fourth round. In addition to some other players, I think they were thinking about Josh Riley in the fourth round and Tyler Scott, for whatever reason, for better or for worse. Some people are really upset about this pick too. Not Tyler, not Tyler Scott, sorry, Charlie Jones. Charlie Jones ahead of Tyler Scott is, is something that some people were not oh, really? thrilled about. Mm-hmm. We could talk about that because I watched we, Tyler Scott and, and, we, it's, and it's Charlie Jones. Unfamiliar names is part of the problem, right? So let's continue the conversation here. We'll, we'll keep going on this draft class. How some of these players fit, what they didn't do, what they did do coming up next. But first, a word from Built Bar, the number one protein bar on the planet. And whether you're Charlie Jones and you're trying to bulk up a little bit for the NFL because he weighs around 176 pounds, or you're Tyler Scott, who definitely needs to bulk up as he's a you know the, the slight speedster from the, the Bearcats, who I love, by the way. I'm not trying to be mean to him. Built Bar is the bar for you. And maybe you're not trying to put on weight and you're just trying to get in better shape. Well, you're talking about a protein bar that is covered in 100% dark chocolate, high in protein. Low in sugar, low in calories, perfect for you, Tyler Scott, Charlie Jones, Joe Burrow, the, the rest of the Bengals front office roster. We could go down the list, certainly Jake Lisko and James Rapine, and you can get yours today at Walmart, 
at Sam's Club. They have a 13-bar box at Sam's Club, so you can get that variety pack and just continue to do exactly what you're trying to do to get that summer bot ahead of vacation. Or you could go to Built.com for every single flavor they offer, including all of the limited flavors. So check them out right now. Sam's Club, Walmart, or Built.com. It's Built Bar, the number one protein bar on the planet. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. James, I think a big reason for some of the reactions to this draft class is on us a little bit. Oh, yeah. The reason is that, and I mentioned this before, before we took a little break there, a lot of the names that we talked about went to other teams went to some division rivals in some cases, and they drafted guys that we didn't talk a lot about. We did pick DJ Turner in one of our mock draft Mondays. We did. We talked about Miles Murphy. There was a top 30 visit. It was obviously notable. We didn't talk a lot about him because consensus was like 10, 12 picks higher Mm -hmm. on Miles Murphy. And that was the case for a lot of these picks, by the way. Miles Murphy, uh, DJ Turner, and Jordan Battle all were picked like 10 to 20 spots after their consensus ranking. So... Mm -hmm. In that sense, they got a lot of value out of those picks. But, you know, everyone covering the Bengals was surprised they took a safety. And then you look in hindsight, you think about their history of when they draft safeties. They drafted Jesse Bates when we didn't think they needed a safety. They drafted... Uh, yeah, I mean, for the most part. It was it was a bit of a surprise, I would say, to the general pop. Yes. I mean, they, they had starters, right? They had starters that yeah, I thought... George Iloka. And then yeah. he replaced George Iloka, who was also a guy that came in and started right away out of the fifth round. Mm-hmm. Sean, I mean, they've been good at drafting safety Yeah, is, is another point to, to, to point out here. So when you, when you talk about the Jordan battle pick in particular, I wouldn't be surprised if he's starting this year, like pretty early in the year. I don't know who well, he's taking off the field, but I know that they really like him and they would not have drafted him if they didn't think that he was going to be a starter for them in the relatively near future. I think he, he can do a lot for you and contribute right away. Obviously, they, they mentioned the special teams aspect of it. You're not paying Nick Scott huge money. That's part of it here. Because in a perfect world, you would look up and you'd have a quartet of safeties where you could still do the three safety look at times where maybe Battle comes in and plays that Von Bell role when you need him to. You have Nick Scott, who can do a little bit of both. Daxel, who is as versatile as any player on the team. And you let Luke cook for lack of a better term. And now you have these different type of, of safeties where you have these elite athletes in Dax and, and Scott. And then you have a guy in battle who's battle tested. I think it's fair to say someone that they didn't expect to be there. And I can tell you like, it's, it's real easy to say, Oh, well, they should have taken a, you know, a tight end, not traded down, take Darnell Washington. They had battle so much higher on their board than not just Washington. Like he was really close to to DJ Turner. Like, and then you look up and it's thirty something picks later, and he's clearly like far and away the best player on their board. I can't rip them for that. Like I just 
I can't. Now they may be wrong, right? They may be wrong. And we can turn this into the Dewan Jones part of it because right there, like if you would have said in the draft, they get Dewan Jones at 95, mm-hmm. a lot of people would have been like, oh my God, what a home run. There's a reason they didn't take they, it, there's a reason they didn't take Dewan Jones at 95 though. And here's why. Because after one day at the senior bowl, when he could have secured himself as probably a number uh, a first rounder, where if he continues to dominate in the senior bowl and then weighs in at his pro day and he's still 374 and he looks like he's in great shape and is is doing all the right things, he could have been a first rounder, no doubt in this class. And instead, he failed all of it. It might not matter. Maybe he goes on and becomes an all-pro for the Browns. But that there's huge red flags there. Think about that. This is the ultimate job interview. You bail one day in, in, uh, at the Senior Bowl. And then on the, at the pro day, when you have a chance to kind of reestablish things and say, look, I, I'm going to be fine. It was just I, I had to leave the Senior Bowl for whatever reason. He, he didn't even weigh in. And then you have Dave Lapham talking about how he's he's over 390, pushing 400. Lapp wouldn't say that if he didn't have it on good accord. And so I get it. Like, I understand that there was a lot of risk there. And you know what isn't a risk for them? A guy that they had ranked 30 spots higher on their board that they took with the 95th pick. That's the, the part where it's like, okay. And I think past Bengals teams, by the way, Jake, would have taken Jones and said, screw that, we're betting on the talent. And sometimes that worked, sometimes that didn't here. And I don't think I'm looking at it in orange and black colored glasses. They said, we're sticking to our board, even though it, it seems weird with the safety because he's clearly the best player available. And we think he can get on the field, like you said, early on as a rookie. Mm-hmm. I do think that it's a good landing spot for what it's worth for Devon Jones working with Bill Callahan in Cleveland. I mean, the best, very, probably the best. Aren't very many offensive line coaches that you would say are better than Bill Callahan or even in Bill Callahan's tier of offensive line coach in the NFL. So, you know, you wish him well as as much as you wish the individual well, and you wish that the Browns will continue to be the Browns. Uh, You know, (laughs) I I hope good things happen for Devon Jones career. I liked him a lot as a player on tape to me, second round, very comfortable. I mean, people gave us heck people gave us a hard time when we, we said he might be available to them in the second round. Remember that people are like, there's no way he makes it to the Bengals second round pick and yeah. uh, made it to the third round pick. What's interesting. The, and I, I just want to share, they were in on Jones at a point. Yeah. It just wasn't the first three rounds. And I, I want to be clear there. Dewan, by the way, because they obviously drafted a Jones. Mm-hmm. There was a path for them to be, to say, all right, we're willing to take this risk. They just didn't want to take it in round three, especially with a guy that uh, in Jordan Battle that they had such such a high grade on and held in such high regard. And like I said, I mentioned it on our last show, but maybe people missed it or, or just tuned into this one. Darren Simmons, in 15 minutes during the, the combine interview, said, oh, that's a guy you want on your team. So mm-hmm. it wasn't just one guy in the room or the front office, coaching staff, front office. He checked every box. Nick Saban, all of those that checked every box, they were like, okay, well, let's take him here. So it's hard to blame them. Go ahead. You were going to share something. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, no, my only other point was going to be that people, the the more that we've done this, and sometimes things are obvious reaches, right? Sometimes you know, you you look at it and, and you say, you know, that pick doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. 
there are these reasons that it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, you can go look at our the history of, of the work that, you know, Joe and I and, and others have done in the, uh, in the draft boards we do every year. And you can see that the, the grades that we assign tend to work out pretty well in terms of predicting NFL success. And, and so, you know, you look at this year and the guys that you think have a pretty good chance of hitting, and we'll talk about Charlie Jones separately, but are Miles Murphy, DJ Turner, Jordan Battle, Chase Brown. everyone's going to have their own system. Sometimes we're going to get it wrong. Sometimes the Bengals are going to get it wrong. Sometimes, you know, amateur scout or previous professional scout who's now a Bengals fan and is doing their own scouting is going to get it wrong. And sometimes they're going to be right. So maybe everybody who's criticizing them for taking Jordan Battle instead of Dewan Jones turns out to be right. Or maybe not. And, and that's the thing about the draft is that everyone has opinions, but all the Bengals can do not to go like full, you know, Bengals apologist, Bengals can, can do no wrong because obviously we were surprised with the pick of a safety. But when you understand their perspective, like you said, it gets harder to just like totally rip them for something because all they can do is stack their board with their evaluations. And maybe you disagree with their evaluations, but that's really what it comes down to is, is if you disagree with their picks, it just means that you have different evaluations on some of these players or maybe you haven't watched them. Like we watched zero safeties because we didn't think they were going to draft a safety. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a good point. I didn't think they were going to draft one early, put it that way. And they did. And part of it was they, that he just fell and he fell into their laps and look, there, there were some other surprises. I think it, I double dipped tight end. They didn't take one double dipped running back in plenty of, of mocks. They took one. They had double dipped at a different position, wide receiver. And I have some thoughts on that that I want to run by you because I know it surprised a lot of people, but if you take a thousand foot view, I don't think it's as surprising. So let's discuss that and much, much more coming up next. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Let's finish the show, James, talking double dip at wide receiver and any final surprises, perhaps, in this draft. What are your thoughts on the wide receiver position and the wide receiver double dip that you wanted to share? Charlie Jones, Andre, Yossi Vash, and I know people are going to think it's something different. Yossi Vash is, is how you say his name. One thing I asked Zach Taylor, because I tried to like take a step back, because a lot of people are – Again, surprised at the double debit receiver, but at the combine, and I should pull the clip. I asked him about team speed. And that was one of the takeaways after the AFC championship game. It was speed. And then I think free agency happened and Samaj P. Ryan leaves. Hayden Hurst leaves. Things happen where they don't necessarily fix the tight end position in free agency the way some expected them to. They still get Irv Smith, re-sign Drew Sample, feel pretty good about that room. At least they do. And, and and so we all thought, all right, tight end, which they were still in on. It just didn't work. And running back, 
But the theme in, in February was speed. I remember asking Zach, do you guys got to get faster on offense? Do you, do you have to add more weapons around as many weapons as you have? And you do have a big three. Do you need more speed? And, and I, I think that that's what you look at here. Now, the wide receiver class, we didn't cover it a ton. Part of it was it was not a great class. There were a lot of small guys or flawed guys. And the Bengals, well, they got two of them where Charlie Jones is smaller. He weighs 176 pounds, 175. He weighed in different two different times. And he's 5'11", so he's not slight, super slight that way. He's tall. He could probably add a few pounds to that frame. And I think he's going to be really productive. I like the pick. Runs a 4-4-3. And then Yossi Vash is the ultimate project. But you look at him and you scream wide receiver, like elite athlete. We talked about that. So the Bengals... I don't think they overreacted to free agency. And we're probably guilty of that a bit. And looking at it, they did want to improve their overall team speed. And those are two targets that they had. They were obviously in on Yosivash. They brought him in for an in-person visit, uh, went to dinner, all of those things. And then Charlie Jones, whew, why do you take him over Tyler Scott? Because I think he's a perfect fit with Joe Burrow, and he can do so much for you. I mean, he's, he's so versatile. And he answers that return, that returnability that you want. Scott never returned kicks or punts at the University of Cincinnati. He projects to be a, a, a really, I think he's going to be a really, really good slot player that can have that position flex and play outside a little bit as well. So we'll see. But going back to the combine, that was something we were talking about here on this show. And I asked Zach about it. And I think it got lost in the shuffle a little bit going into the draft. And what do you want him to do with the sixth round pick? A lot of people would say, pick Zach Kuntz, of course. Zach Kuntz was an older prospect, athletic freak, given. I like this tape. I would have been happy with the pick. This isn't to sure. knock Zach Kuntz, but this is to play devil's advocate and maybe explain why they didn't. Small school, older prospect. Old Dominion, older prospect at tight end. What was, his production, what was his production like? It wasn't as dominant as you would want it to be at that kind of school. It's not, it's not, not like Old a, Dominion. It's yeah. not like a Tucker Craft scenario where he's turning down Alabama transfer NIL offer kind of thing. Where I like Tucker Craft a lot. The Bengals, you know, probably had him rightly graded, probably would have picked him in the third round or, or would have considered him at least in the third round. Maybe Jordan Battle was so high on their board they still would have gone that route. But he doesn't make it to their third round pick. And they thought that the second round was too rich. I think they would have a hundred percent picked Sam Laporta in the second round. He obviously went early second. I think they would have also picked Luke Musgrave in the second round. I'm not sure if they would have picked. Well, none of the other tight ends because they passed on the rest except Schoonmaker and they wouldn't have picked Schoonmaker. I don't think in the second round, but like what else do you want them to do with a six round pick at that point? There are some other players for sure, but six round picks, seventh round picks, those are specialists in dart throws. And the dart throw that they threw is with an athlete that is essentially just as athletic as Zach Coons, was more productive. And I get it, it's Princeton, but it's also Old Dominion, was more productive this past year and is younger, by the way. And they were clearly in on the character-wise, met with him, knew him, all of those things. And it's at a more important position. If we're going to preach premium positions mm -hmm. and do that, well, 
you spent all this time with this guy. He fell a round or two later than people thought he would, or, or some at least thought he would, at least outside of, uh, you know, NFL buildings. And so if they're both dart throws, I'm okay with doing the wide receiver thing. And, and the other thing, by the way, they don't go back-to-back years without taking a receiver. And I know we had them taking one, but how many times have they double-dipped at receiver? So many, Jake. And I, I think that's the other part of it where – and I need to remember this because I, I think early in the draft process I said, oh, they're for sure taking a receiver. And we looked it up, and it was, what, late 90s, the last time they didn't take a receiver in back-to-back years? It's been a really long time, yeah. And, and we didn't hammer that home. Like, of course they prioritize receiver over tight end. Like, duh, always. That's always been the case. Well, and so part of this is on us for, for not – yeah, being more clear and direct, I should have seen this coming. So I'm kind of kicking myself that I didn't at least mock the double dipper receiver once. Well, it's not even that they necessarily prioritize wide receiver ahead of tight end. No, like, I agree with that. They're it's drafting just guys. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing when when it, it's going to feel a certain way, and then the reality is is that the players are drafting probably have a, a grade on their board that's like 20 picks higher than the next guy in most of these rounds. I know they're second and third, and I think fourth round picks. And I think fifth round picks were all very clear decisions on their board. I think the first round pick was close. Yes. And I, I don't really know about the sixth round guys. I think they were, I think they got, the, you know, we talked about this yesterday, the second punter, their, their second choice at punter, right? I think Barrier probably was their first choice at punter. And, you know, sixth, seventh round guys, I, I don't know what the, the intricacies of their board were at that point. Sure. But, the, the the things that Charlie Jones and Yoshivas Yosivas have in common are athleticism and dominant production late in their careers. So that's the surprising thing about them is just that it was late in their careers in college where they started to take off. That's the new thing for the Bengals, but this is something to keep an eye on, I think, for future late round stabs with this coaching staff, with this new regime of drafting is athleticism and production, even if it's late, they're willing to take a swing. And uh, I was talking to Joe Goodberry earlier today, James, the Charlie Jones comparison he came up with as a Bengals pick. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a great pull that I often forget because it was such a weird year. But Jordan Shipley, also mm-hmm. 25 as a rookie, and he, he dealt with injuries, didn't work out for him, but had an electric start to his career. And you talk about a guy that hit the ground running that could do the same and, and a guy that could do the same in Charlie Jones. I think that's an interesting comparison. Yeah. And people are going to say, oh, well, they're both white. You're comparing them. But there is some comparison there. And they're both 25 and productive yeah. and slot projections, all this stuff. No doubt. And Charlie Jones is better. I, I think that's part of it, too. And I really like Jordan Shipley. But but Jones, he's, he's just more athletic. He played on the outside far more in college. Than, uh, than Shipley did. And I, I think it was very clear. Shipley had shorter arms. He was thicker, you know, weighed more. Um, but Jones much faster, you know, what was faster in the, the, the shuttle and the three cone, all of those things. I just, I think it's, uh, he's such a plug and play guy, uh, but both returned in college as well. But I, I just, mm. when you look at Jones and you look at Yossi Vash, they're almost on it is for all the comparisons. They're almost on opposite send, uh, sides of the spectrum. I expect Jones to give Trent Taylor everything he can handle, and Trent 
uh, Trenton Irwin, everything they can handle for that wide receiver four job. I actually almost expect him to win it. Like anything less than that is kind of a disappointment for me, which is is hard to say, right, when you're talking about a, a rookie coming in. But I expect him to win that job and be the fourth receiver and be on the field a decent amount, you know, when they have four wide receiver sets. Maybe they use four wide receivers a little bit more and, and less split the tight end out like they did with Hayden Hurst. You know, maybe that's a route they go this year. Um, so, so that's one thing. The other one, Yosivash, I just – I think he's more of a project that's going to take a little bit of time. But if it hits – you could look up and be like, man, we stole him in the sixth round. So I don't really expect him to contribute as a as a receiver this year. And maybe my my standards are too low for him and too high for Jones. Maybe the answer is more in the middle, but that's just kind of where I am, you know, f- less than 48 hours after they were both picked by the Bengals. Our draft sheet generally says that if you score 75 or higher, you have a chance of being a long-term player in the NFL. The Bengals drafted four, well, three of those this year. Jordan Battle just barely missed it. Oh. It was really close, uh, and I'm counting him. He's a 74.3, which is close enough. Miles Murphy, DJ Turner, Jordan Battle, and Chase Brown all hit that mark. Chase Brown, I mentioned, was by far the top running back available for us. He was a 79 is where he worked out. Great production numbers, great athleticism numbers really help him there. He's actually the sixth highest running back on our board overall. And then for Charlie Jones and Yoshivas and DJ Ivy, there, there are some things in their profile that knocked them down. And primarily for the receivers, it was a late breakout, like I mentioned. Mm-hmm. And that's where they will have to be outliers if they're to succeed in the NFL. But hey, we, we've talked about some of the reasons why they could. Overall, I think, you know, if, if you want to be upset that the Bengals couldn't find the value at tight end and offensive tackle that they should have traded up or they should have made a different pick in this spot or that spot. I think that's totally fine, right? Like everyone's entitled to their own opinions, but the thing that I just wanted to to throw out with that being the, the argument is that really you're just disagreeing with the evaluations. Mm-hmm. You, you know, the Bengals aren't sitting there and picking a different player based on the position they play. They've stacked their board, and may, maybe the position has some impact on their overall stacking on the board. But this draft, I think, is very clearly a draft where the Bengals just went BPA. Yeah. And think about the other drafts we, we talked about where the Bengals tried to draft for the future after coming off a run of success in 2015. I don't know if that was exactly the same as this. This feels different to me. And maybe we'll people look are, at it in five years saying- and be wrong, but... People are saying that this was for the future, and I just think it was BPA. Like I, I think there's a a world where Anton Harrison is a Bengal in round one, Jameer Gibbs is a Bengal in round one, Dalton Kincaid is a Bengal in round one, mm-hmm. uh, Nolan Smith, right? And, and we could go down the list of guys in round two that they could have. T- it's just this is how it fell, and they feel good about it. And I, it may not work. Maybe this is the worst draft in in their history, which would be really really hard to do because they had some bad ones in the mid '90s and, and some other. Oh, not not successful ones. But I can't knock them for sticking to what they do. Like, that's what I keep coming back to. Maybe they are wrong, right? And there were guys that I'd be more critical of if, if they took Brian Brzee in round one. I'm, I was not in on him, and I made that pretty clear. Miles Murphy, I'm much more open to it. And he was clearly the best player on their board and I think multiple spots ahead of, ahead of Brzee. And, and some of these guys have work to do. 
Yeah, they do. Miles Murphy sure. has to get better as 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 a pass rusher in terms more of his pass rush plan. Needs to be more get consistent. That, get that motor going. I think the motor's pretty good, actually. I think he could have been a little more dominant at Clemson. He could have been, but I don't know that that's a motor issue. I think that might be more of a, a technique issue, a refinement issue. But you know, he's young and a freak athlete. He's young. So yeah. so you don't really get those very often when you're picking at the end of the first round. DJ Turner. Another freak athlete, a little bit undersized, another premium position. Jordan Battle, a guy that reads like Von Bell in terms of what they think of him, what what scouts think of him. So you can see how all these guys make sense, how all these guys can contribute early. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We'll come back and we'll talk about it. But for the most part, there's no glaring reach in this mm-hmm. draft. And and we we tracked it. I mean, consensus rankings, we have them. There's no glaring reach in this draft. I think the biggest reach according to our consensus board was Charlie Jones by 16 picks. Or or maybe the punter DJ Ivy, but like 6th 7th round, that's Yeah, you're getting your punter because you need a punter. Yeah. I I don't think there's ever going to be a consensus on a, a specialist where you're like, Oh, well that makes sense. Like it's hard. It's hard for that to happen unless you yeah. just wait until pick two forty six, which they were not willing to do. Michigan kicker in the third round to San Francisco, M- Michigan state, Michigan state, Oh, Michigan kicker. No, Michigan kicker. Yeah. It was the guy that, uh, that he held for. And that that's the fun part is you're talking oh, about yeah. the best kicker in the draft. Well, you just drafted a punter. So to me, I, he, I think he should win the job right away because he he held for the best kicker in this draft, and obviously he was successful at Michigan. There's one note I have on Robbins before we get out of here. This is the last thing that yeah. I should have brought up much earlier because nobody's listening at this point, ah, 38 minutes into listening. the show. Everybody's listening. Oh, James, I said that, so people tell us that they were listening at this point. Okay, everybody. Uh, he got hurt in, in 2022. Before he got hurt, he was averaging about 40 yard, 48 yards per punt with like almost a 4.4 second average hang time. After he got hurt, he dropped about seven yards per punt and about 0.2 seconds of hang time. So his numbers, if you're just going and looking at his like punting statistics, were significantly dinged by an injury that he sustained halfway through the season. And uh, credit Neil at an Engelberger on Twitter for finding that one, uh, that little tidbit about Brad Robbins, who some people have been knocking a little bit, calling him baby like Brad. Oh God. Got baby, baby on Burrow. Burrow and... It's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. I hope he's the Joe Burrow of punters because the Bengals, well, they're going to be set there and they're going to have to pay him like a billion dollars, but he'll be the best punter in the league. A billion dollars. It's a joke because Burrow's going to get like the entire franchise with his next deal. That's right. Let's end the podcast there, James. <laughs> Joe Goodberry is going to join us this week. If we can make it work from a scheduling perspective, we get his thoughts on the draft and how things went in each round. We're going to do some grading at some point. Everybody loves a B post draft grades. I saw a great tweet F. on Sunday morning about how post-draft grades have literally no correlation to the success of a draft class. Nobody knows what they're doing when they give out draft grades, but we're going to do our best anyway, based on the information we have. I'm going to nail it. Hey, I gave Jamar Chase an A+. Yeah. How'd that turn out? Crushed it. Also, our sheet 
I mentioned this a few times now, does a really good job of predicting NFL success. I thought that was really cool. Joe, uh, Joe Goodberry earlier on Sunday shared a screenshot of the Bengals draft classes for the last three years. And the guys that are still on the team had high grades. The guys that aren't on the team anymore, lower grades. Pretty cool. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. More post-draft content coming your way this week. Until next time, thanks for listening. Hootay, and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.